Hello, I'm Bryce Saylor, and I am ready to preach. Hi, I'm Casey Schaefer, and I am ready to preach. Hello, my name is Patricia Saratos, and I'm ready to preach. Hi, I'm Mark Shulon, and I'm ready to preach. Hi, I'm Riley Mahaney, and I am ready to preach. Heavenly Father, we ask you to bless this podcast in your name. God, we ask you to pour your Holy Spirit over this thing, God, over the listeners, over the minds, over the mouths. God, we ask that you bless our words. God, speak through us to somebody new and lead them to you in Jesus' name. We ask that you open the minds that they be receptive, open the hearts that they be receptive in Jesus' name. We ask you to lead us and guide us as you would have us to go, God. We know that everything that you want us to say, God, will come out, and we ask that you bless it in Jesus' name. And we all say... Amen. 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 Welcome, family. You have reached the Ready to Preach podcast. We thank you for joining us once again for our second ever episode. Hopefully, second of many, many, many episodes. We're back here. We got Mark, Casey, Patty, and we have a new guest with us today. And I'm going to let her introduce herself. She's over the phone. She's over with us over the phone. She's not here present with us tonight, but we ask that she introduce herself. Hi, everyone. My name is Riley Mahaney. I'm also an associate pastor at Redemption Church, and um, I am a worship leader at our All Claire campus, and I just want everyone to know, because Casey didn't let you know, she's the worship leader in the Bangor campus. Riley, Valid point. can you tell us what it means to you to be ready to preach? I didn't know that I was called to be a preacher. Well, I take that back. I did know, um, but I didn't think that I was ready or knowledgeable. Um, I wasn't so sure that I could connect with anybody at all to be someone that they learned from or wanted to even listen to. I remember when I was younger, I would preach to myself in my mirror in my bedroom, and I wanted to do it for real, but I just never had the chance. So, I think that's. I guess kind of, I've always. Th- go ahead. Go ahead. That's kind I, of. A, I guess I've that's kind of a different. That. <laughs> that's kind of a different perspective than all of us kind of had. Yeah. Obviously, ours are not exactly the same, but we all kind of knew that it was knew that's what we should do, but kind of were too afraid to do it. And it sounds right. like you you just were waiting for the opportunity to go. I was, um, but I like I said, I didn't think that I was like, I didn't think that I was good enough or could ever be good enough. And I still don't think that I'm like amazing or anything, but I've definitely come a long way. Um, but whenever Bryce started doing some little sermons, I talked to dad, which for those of you who don't know, Bryce and I are siblings. I'm his older sister. And I was like, well, if you want me to do it, I will. And he was like, okay, well, you can go this week. And I already had my sermon ready to go. My first sermon on um, planting the seeds in different soils. And I was pumped. I was so excited to do it. When I got up there, I was like, oh, my gosh, do I actually want to do this? Because this is pretty weird that people are staring at me and, you know, my my words are going to make a difference for somebody else's life. And now their lives will become part of, you know, what I'm responsible for. I don't know if I I ever, go ahead. I think that I really enjoy doing it. And 
sometimes it's hard, which I know that everyone struggles with. Like, I don't have anything. I don't know what I'm going to do, but it always comes to you. And, you know, it's a different learning curve, I guess, for everybody to know what they're going to talk about, preach about, and have some stuff to back it up. But I think that if you just know just the littlest bit of your Bible enough to be dangerous, then you can really do some really good preaching. That's something a lot of my clients say when we're doing some of their setup for them is, yeah, I kind of know what to do. I know enough to be dangerous, enough to screw it all up. But sometimes it's just it, ta- it takes getting more. Our, it's it, getting our own way. Right, right. When we're really. Well, Casey said it last week. It, there, there should be no lack of pep- preparation, obviously. And I'm not saying you did that, Riley, but there should be no lack. And obviously we've been in church basically our entire lives being brother and sister, we went to the same place, you know, but we, uh, we had a lot more, in my opinion, we had a lot more in us than we even knew. Personally, I think that. I don't know if I ever told you, Riley, after you went for the first time, but I still think about that sermon, like to this day, every once in a while. Well, (laughs) even, even when she just said that, I didn't remember that being her first one. I thought it was like three weeks ago. (laughs) Well, no, I, I remember it vividly. So I'm cool with that. I had about 24 years of, of training for the first sermon ever. <laughs> yeah. I remember the first day I preached. It was July, July 11th of 2022. No, three, 2021. 21, sorry. Yeah. We, yeah. uh, we, uh, here, we like it. We like being ready to preach. Don't we guys? Yes, yes. we do. Oh, yeah. Even it's though fun. we weren't technically ready to preach at the beginning, I'm glad that we, have stepped into it personally. I'm glad that I have, but I don't know if anyone else feels the same kind of affirmation from being what you're supposed to be. I think in our spirit, we were ready in our minds. We were in our own way. Fair enough. Fair enough. I feel that same way. I feel like even in my mind, my mind was partially ready too. Cause it had, once I got up there to start, start speaking. And once I got even in my, uh, my study and devotion time, throughout the week, I had more in my mind than I even knew I had in there, which is pretty cool. It's pretty cool, actually, when the Holy Spirit start start pushing things or bringing things back to your remembrance. It's really cool. Okay, so today, Riley, are you ready to preach? I'm ready to preach. Okay, good. We got that out of the way. Today, our topic is be a better Christian. And I think I gave this to you guys uh, last Tuesday night when I was listening to our podcast because I feel like it was kind of already sort of a topic, but it was we brushed on it here and brushed on it there and kind of went past it in some spots. But I want to dive deeper into what or what it means to be a better Christian, how you can be a better Christian and why it would be important to you or to people around you to be a good Christian. Anybody want to answer what they think it means to be a good Christian? Should we start by kind of giving like an idea of what we would consider to be a bad Christian so we can kind of differentiate the two? That's fair. That's fair. Kind Go of ahead. like a heads and tails. Go ahead, Mark. I would say one that's not leaning towards the good side. They're, it's easy to tell they're either in it for themselves or some other motivation that doesn't come from the right source. They're trusting only on their own self. They're not 
doing anything really to help anybody. Right. And they're doing more to, like we touched on last week, they're tailoring everything to fit what they want to do. Or more the so, ideology they want to push, yeah. More so than making sure that not only are their listeners tailoring themselves to what the scripture says, but they are as well. So I don't know about anyone else, but kind of tell me what you think. When I think of a bad Christian, I think of a Sunday morning Christian, if that makes sense to you. CEO? Right. Christmas, Easter, and other occasions for those well, who didn't grow up with that with us. With no, that not, not that, but I'm saying someone who puts it on on Sunday. Say so you can put lipstick on a pig and it's still a pig. Right. That is true. Um, Uncle Dick says that you can stand in the garage all you want and it doesn't make you a car. You know, it's not about the location you're at or what you say. It's more about what you do. But I, when I think of a bad Christian, I think of someone who acts like a Christian. Uh, the Bible calls them hypocrites. But um, I think of it's just someone who's more in it for the intention of people seeing them on Sunday at church. Can I bring one of her uh, grandfather's other famous sayings in because it's relevant for this? Send it. They've got the talking part done. Right, right. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. You've heard that you've heard that numerous <laughs> what, what do you what do you think, Patty? I think it's true. Um, you can get all dressed up. You can get all dressed up from head to toe. But if you don't have Jesus in your heart, right. you're just putting on a show for everybody else. It's basically a waste of time mm -hmm. for everyone involved. Casey? I'm with you guys one hundred percent. I think as far as well, I really think the people that we're describing, I don't know that I'd call them a Christian anyways. Absolutely not. Um, more like people who are more concerned with the way being a, a Christian, and I'm doing air quotations for people who can't see me, which is everybody who's not in the room. So, <laughs> But they want all of the perception that comes along with the label. Because, I mean, regardless of how the world determines itself at this point, Whenever you hear Christian, there are certain things that come to mind with that. You know, you think of somebody or you hope that you would think of somebody, you know, who's a good person, who's honest, who's upright. Um, whether or not that's actually the case currently, I can't speak for anybody else. But Right. Riley, what are your thoughts on that? I would say something along the lines of yours, you know, just like showing up and being there, but not really, you know, living the lifestyle, but also someone who has the mentality of um, I guess I'm trying let me think of how I want to put this and not sound bad maybe just that they, they're they're trying too hard so they they're quick to turn everybody away who's not like them but right. really are just like that because they're you know shunning everybody and I'm better than you because I'm a Christian I've got my life all figured out but it's not like that for anybody who actually is a Christian. You know, we all have struggles and we all, so it's not always sunshine and roses for everybody who has a relationship with Jesus Christ. But, you know, but a lot of times people want to act like they've got it all figured out. And I don't consider that to be really a good Christian if you're going to throw your lifestyle or shove a religion into somebody's face when it's not really like that. So I like I like what Casey said to begin with. These people actually can't be classified as Christians. I don't think there's such thing as a bad Christian. I think there's only good Christians and people who there's a, a classification for a good Christian or 
not a Christian at all. There's no such thing, I don't think, as a bad Christian. I don't think it exists. I don't think you can have bad mentalities and still be able to possess the label and the identification of a Christian. So we could probably break that down into two. We have contenders, the people contending for the faith, the Christians, right, and pretenders is everybody else. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like Bryce said a couple of minutes ago. I could sit in a garage and call myself a car all day, but that doesn't mean that I am one. Right, right. You can even sit there and make the noises. You're still in a car. <laughs> you know, I'm not good at sound effects, so I think we'll skip that part. But <laughs> oh, that's fine. So the next, the next question I that I have for everyone, um, be thinking, what are some things that you can do to be it? Well, actually, I want to ask this question first. What do you think a good Christian is, Mark? Servant mentality. They're they know that they're there. To help others. Right. Just like someone was there to help them to start with, because everyone had a point A to get to point B. Correct. And when I say helping, they're the exact opposite. Like what Patty was saying, they remember where they came from, and they know how they got there, and they know it wasn't themselves that did it. And they want to promote that for other people as well. All right, Patty. Um. I think, what do you think a good Christian is? That's the question at hand. Yes. A good Christian is somebody that doesn't fake who they are. Right. Like you guys are saying, you're the same here as you are there. Right. You're not teeter-tottering your attitude or your character by any means. You're not treating people wrong when you're outside a church, and then you see the pastor come and you go, oh, everybody just, you know, act right. You know, right, don't right. don't do anything wrong. Pastors come in, don't do anything wrong. You know, if you're one of those that you have to cover up what you're doing, you're probably not in the right sense. No. And you're not acting as a Christian. You're being a fake Christian. Right. If you have to watch what you're doing behind closed doors or at the supermarket or at the mall or Basically wherever anywhere, you are. Anywhere not at church. Not at church, exactly. Right. And and then you see the pastor come and you're like, oh, everybody just... And then you tell yourself, oh, I got to act like this because the pastor's coming. So basically, if you can turn it off, you're not a Christian. Exactly. Right. Casey, what do you think? Somebody, a good Christian, in my opinion, is somebody who is more concerned with the eternal destination than they are the current reputation. Ooh. Um, that's yeah. good. I like I that. thought about that while Patty was talking and I had to use it. <laughs> I might use that as a title just to be warned. <laughs> you know, and not even just for yourself personally, but for other people too. Right. Um, if you are a so-called good Christian and you're in good standing and you see somebody who needs guidance, who needs somebody to be there for them, but speaking to this person may impact how other people who aren't as good of Christians as you think about you you should be more concerned with the person who needs aid and who you're being called to help's eternal destination than you are about what these other people might be thinking about you. And yourself also, if there's friends, or we talked about some last week who can you be friends with, but if there's people in your life who are going to perceive you differently because you act in a more Christ-like manner, you're just going to have to learn to deal with that if you right. are truly serious about becoming a good, a good Christian. So I think kind of where she is going along is kind of have like the the attitude that that Paul had. The Greeks he acted like a Greek, the Jews he acted like a Jew. Depend so nothing that he did when he was around them was going to offend them. So if he knew that there were certain things that were acceptable to do, but 
it may have caused the others to question, he stayed away from that while he was around them. He knew that it was more important to get them to understand things than to do something that could push them away instead. Right. Riley, what do you think um, a kind of a dictionary definition of good Christian would be? Um, probably someone who's willing to change yeah. and also yeah. be willing to fail, but, all, but to be able to continue to move forward and do their best to do better every day. Because if you're not willing to change the way that you've lived prior to becoming a Christian, right. then you're not really ready to be a Christian. No, the Bible says to, lean, to not on, lean not on your own understanding, but in all ways acknowledge him, you know, and I think that's kind of what you're going after. Be willing to always improve. I think Christianity is an always improving lifestyle. Absolutely. You're always on the upward rise towards becoming like Christ. You know, there's Tony Blackmore, who, who is a preacher around us. He said, we're not trying to be perfect, but we are perfecting. We're trying. We're in this space and this atmosphere where we're always trying to do better than we were yesterday. And I think that's that's kind of a good definition there. You got any more on that, Riley? Um yeah, just that you're you're going to fail. You're not gonna be a hundred percent every day. And that's okay. As long as you're willing to get up and try again. Right. It's it's all about the mentality of wanting to grow a closer relationship with Christ and to strive for that rather than, well, I messed up this time. God's not going to love me anymore. Or I, I did this again. I just can't get past, keep doing this over and over. God can't love me like this. He does love you. He wants you to do better for you, for the relationship with him. And it has to be something that you're willing to do. Okay. That's there are, there are, People use this say, and it fits that perfectly, of it's not important how many times you fall down. It's important how many times you get back up. Absolutely. I think that's a good way to put it. I really love Casey's eternal destination over personal reputation. I like that. That's, that's very good. I will good. steal that. I'm just telling you that now. <laughs> that's I just a, hope I preach before one of them does next. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a perfect way to put it, and I think... Personally, for me, a good Christian, who is the best example that we can ever look upon for Christians? Jesus Christ. You know, that's what Christian actually <laughs> means, being Christ-like. So, and, you know, and in the Bible, he says, when you've done it to the least of the little ones, you've done it to me. You know, mm -hmm. how you treat people should be always at the forefront of your thought, how you speak, how you act, how you dress, you know, all of these things kind of compile together to make you what you are and what you are. If, if what you are is a Christian, every single one of these things should be put together in one. You should have a good attitude all the time. Uh, despite any situation you're in, you should not have a filthy mouth because Jesus, when they tried him, they said they found no guile in his mouth. You should always have, you should always be the better part not the better person because of your, your reputation, but you should always be doing better, doing more than what the world is doing, in my opinion. Anybody else want to say anything about that? I like where Riley was kind of headed, I think, or where she was touching on to part of being a good Christian is also knowing that you're not above reproach either. 
being able to accept that correction, you know, especially Absolutely. starting out. Absolutely. You're not going to get it right 100% of the time. But if there's somebody who has been not in the way, because we've heard, you know, being in the way means that you've been in the way, but somebody who's been walking with Christ longer and they come to you and they're like, hey, I see this and I know you may not know that this is, you know, not the best situation to be under the best behavior, but, you know, this is what the Bible says. And biblical correction is different than somebody saying, hey, I don't like the way that you do this. Right. Um, and not being above that and not so much taking that personally either, um, knowing that people are trying to help you if somebody is trying to help you. As long you. as it's given in love. Right. Absolutely. You know, because a lot of times the older Christians or say that they've been in church 50 years and, and they try to dominate over the younger ones that yep. are just starting out, you know, oh, you shouldn't wear that shirt or that kind of dress or, you know, they kind of um, discourage mm-hmm. more than act in love. Right. And I don't think they know that they're doing it. They just do it because that's who they are or whatever. Right. A lot of them have good intentions by it, but it comes off very bad. Right. So we have to watch how we say things, how we add correction to people. Right. And, that's oh, yeah. all part of being a Christian. Yes. Like I said, you have to, every part of you has to be a Christian, not just certain things, you know, you can't just dress Christian. Right. That's, and it's not going to happen overnight. It's absolutely take, not. Every day you got to take steps to better yourself and be more Christ-like. Absolutely. You look at some of these top tier athletes. Everything they do, whether it's during the off season, whether it's during their vacation, whether it's during the season, whatever they do is geared to get them to the best they can be for when they have to be. Right. Um, Practice makes perfect. And some of them (laughs) have like weird diets, like they won't touch certain things because it can interfere with what they're trying to do. Right. And that's a good mentality to have. A lot of the times the physical aligns with the spiritual and so many different things. But just with that, if there's something that you know is harmful or going to be harmful to your walk with Christ, I think you should stay as far away as possible from that. And and just like Mark's saying, they do every part of them is working towards an end goal. And to go along with Casey, everyone that's a Christian should want to go to heaven should have an eternal destination of heaven. That should be their goal. And everything you do towards people, towards your family, towards yourself, in prayer, towards God, should have that at the top of their list of what they want to do. My goal is to make it to heaven, and I want to do whatever it takes, whatever is necessary to get there. Amen. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm, I'm here at this next question. What can we do... As perfecting Christians, I guess we're we're trying to not perfect it. That sounds bad. Casey no. just gave me a progressing no. Christians. I wasn't giving you a weird look. I was just making sure I was understanding what you were saying. We're as we go forward, trying to become better Christians. What are some things that you guys have on your mind that you can do to become a better Christian? Study. Okay. Don't That's, neglect. Reading and finding things out for you. Don't take, like I've said before, don't take what I'm saying. If you think it sounds right, write it down. Take some time, look into it. If it's wrong, tell me. But if it's right, study it yourself. Don't just take it because we're up there with the microphone that we know everything. Right, right. That was That's number one on my list here. Read your Bible daily. Do not be content to skim through a chapter merely to satisfy your conscience. 
Hide the word of God in your heart. It comforts, guides, encourages all we need is there. I think it is so important to read your Bible. And not only is it important to read your Bible, but ask the Holy Spirit for help with understanding and interpretation of the Word of God. Because if you go in there and read under your own power, you will get mixed up, crossed up, unfocused. You will not be able to bring anything in and contain it within you. You will get kind of tripped up. I do personally, but if you read your Bible, ask the Holy Spirit for help before you read your Bible to hide things in your heart. That's a good way because the Holy Spirit will also bring these scriptures back to you when you decide that you want to do something that is kind of out of the will of God. He'll say, hey, remember this scripture where David tried to do it and he failed God and we don't want to be in that same spot. Or do you remember when Paul did this and he 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 got reproach from God? Remember these things. I, it's so important to read your Bible. Casey? Um, especially for somebody who's just starting out on a walk with Christ or starting to build that relationship, but even for anybody, honestly, is accept guidance, but don't look for comparison. Yeah. Um, you know, there was a quote that I looked up earlier, and it is, comparison is the thief of joy. It's the thief of peace. And, you know... Whenever I was studying for my courses, there was one that was like early childhood development. And there's a certain point that you expect a baby to walk by. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that every baby is going to start walking at nine months old or 12 months old, whatever That's it is. True. You know, one kid might start walking at 11 months and 34 days. There's, oh my goodness, there's not 34 days in any month. <laughs> but, <laughs> and another child might not walk until they're well past a year old. And that doesn't mean that they never walk. It just means that they have a different time where they are meant to do that. And we often refer to, you know, new Christians as babies in Christ. Yeah. So like I said, especially just starting out, don't look at somebody who's been walking for 50 years and think that, you know, I have to be just like them because that's never going to be the case. You wouldn't expect two children to start at the exact same time walking. Right. And just to go along with that, to give another reference, some of, don't look at people who have been running marathons. You know, when you're trying to crawl around on the floor, you know, you're trying to pull yourself up and, and, and get to where you can walk. These people have been running marathons. Plus, you it, don't know where they've been exactly. and what they've had to go Absolutely. through to get to where they are either. It's not fair to you to try to compare yourself to them. Yep. Patty, what do you think is one important thing to help become a better Christian? One important thing that I think is 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 something you need to be a better Christian is to examine yourself, to repent your own self before you even go before the Lord. Ask Him for forgiveness for whatever you have done. Um, sometimes we don't do that. We just start talking and saying, Lord, I need this. Can you do this for me? Can you do that for me during prayer? But what we need to do is go before him, repent, worship him, and give him praise, and then go ahead and the door's open. Right. You know, when when you're doing something for your child, you want, they say, eh, eh, give me this, give me that, but they're not using their words right. first of right. all. And, and as a... Uh, a beginning Christian, we need to know that we have to repent first and then pray. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, worship and pray. And I think that's important to to be a better Christian. You need to learn how to 
ask forgiveness, repent, and move forward. Okay. Riley, what do you what do you feel is a good kind of a tip to help someone become a better Christian? Maybe someone who's just starting their walk with Christ. I would say every, everything that's been said has been really great advice. Um, but to add to that, <clears throat> just pray. Pray about your relationship with Jesus. Pray about the relationships in your life. Um, you know, everything that you go through is going to be part of your journey. And it's going to be really important to be in contact with the head person of your journey. Absolutely. And, um, you know, guilty of this myself, I often pray when I want something or I need something or, you know, there's something on my heart rather than just, you know, Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Thank you for waking me up this morning. You know, thank you for a vehicle I can drive. Thank you for a job. You know, the, the little things that often we take for granted. Um, but just just to say, to stay thankful for what you do have and the relationships that you're, you're building, most important, the relationship you're building with Jesus. But you don't get to have a relationship with him and not talk to him. It's right. like having a husband or wife and not even speaking to them ever. You know, it just, it's not going to work. So talking to Jesus is going to be really important as you start being a Christian. Yeah. And I think even going further into that point, understanding that yes is an answer, no is an answer, and wait is an answer. Um, it's hard for a lot of us to hear the words no, you know, maybe it's just because we come from really good families or really good people that helped us out and they're kind of spoiled us, so to speak, but why are you looking at me, Bryce? I, I'm, I'm just scanning the room. <laughs> I'm, I'm scanning the room, but I, I think it's hard for a lot of people to hear no. And I, and most of the time, when God says no, it's just as holy as his yes. He has a reason, a plan and a purpose for us. And if what you're praying doesn't align with his plan, he's going to tell you no, because he knows it's best for you. There'll be things that you pray for and the answer is no. And a couple of years down the road, you'll see why and you'll be thankful that the answer wasn't yes. You'll be so happy when you get to get down the road where you see what could have been. Like with Jessica, with that pain she had, she wanted the pain gone. And the answer was no, because the pain was important so she could learn what was going on with her to get it taken care of. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Pain One and more no thing can be good. Pray. Go for it. <laughs> Um, is oftentimes as someone who's not used to praying or has maybe never even done it before, you see people that just kneel by their bedside every time and that's how they pray. It doesn't have to be that. You could be sitting in the shower and pray, laying in bed, pray, driving your car, pray, sitting at work, pray. You know, it doesn't have to be a, a formal thing where you kneel at your bed every night and you do all these things. Just just start talking to God because he's listening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not to say that kneeling at your bedside is bad. I think it's a good practice, obviously. No. Anywhere you pray is good, like Riley said. But saying. that's not, just, not the only place that you are supposed to pray. There's not really a format either that you have to follow to where God will just answer. He'll only answer one way. When you talk to him, he He hears your every prayer and he cares for you, you know? So the next thing I'm thinking of to be become a better Christian, rely constantly on the Holy Spirit. Yes. When we pray, you know, I said 
ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and comfort us and lead us. He's the one. He's the one that knows what's best for us. He is in line with God's will. So if we get in a, in line, I'm saying he, but the Holy Spirit is in line with God's will. And if we get in line with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will only lead us to God. It won't lead us anywhere else. I think if we follow that and follow that to the best of our ability, let him constantly guide us, constantly comfort comfort us, let him take over all of our choices and all of our decisions, you know, with his guidance. There's you can't go wrong there. There's there's no way you can ask the Holy Spirit for help, take his advice and go wrong. I want to quote this one that I found when I was searching up. I, I had it on my phone, but I put it up on the computer as well, searching our topic of ways to be a good Christian. And I like the way this guy puts it on this website. It says, don't be good, be filled. It says, his quote is, to walk by the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, and that will lead you. Right. You'll 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 get your improvement there. Don't focus so much on... I've got to be good, and this is what I have to do to be good. Right. God will lead you where you need to be to be good. You just got to listen and let him go. Walk by faith and not by sight. And the Holy Spirit will also correct you. Absolutely. The Holy Spirit prays for us. I've just been staring at that for like the past like five, ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Even when I switch back, the other one that's just right there, and that's in big bold, don't be good, be filled. Yeah. Casey, what do you, how do you feel about that? Don't ask me why. I just forgot the question now that he's asking me what it was. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Relying constantly Relying on the Holy const- Spirit. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. My brain is all over today. That's okay, though. Um, I Yeah, I agree with everything that's already been said. You know, understanding that the Holy Spirit is there to guide and he's there to correct. Um, I know Riley was touching on prayer a moment ago, and, you know, it's not always right by your bedside. You can pray anywhere. And like speaking from personal experience, I don't know if anybody else experiences this because I'm not in your head, but sometimes when you start praying, it feels like you're being kind of silly because you're either just whispering out loud to nobody who's there physically to talk to, or you're like in your head thinking about your prayers because you don't have to speak prayers for God to hear them. He knows your heart. Right. But the more that you settle into that and the more that you lean into attempting to be better, attempting to start these things, I think you get into this place this zone almost where the prayer feels more led or it feels more legitimate, I guess. I know, I don't know if you're on air when we were speaking about it, but we're talking about when we preach, we get into a certain zone where we don't see anything Right. and being able to lean into that. And while you're in that also being able to discern what the Holy spirit is trying to tell you, you know, what somebody needs, what you need. He prays for us also that's something that will come with practice and it will come with, you know, time spent there. So knowing that it's going to feel awkward the first few times that you do anything until you learn how to lean into that. For me, when, when I pray, just like Casey was saying at first, it kind of feels silly to talk openly in the air, but it's, it's just like for me reading and trying to comprehend what I read. It's a lot easier when I'm saying it out loud to remember it to comprehend it, to put it into my memory, to gain that knowledge. You know, if I'm reading for something to, to learn how to do something, you know, I got to read it out loud for me to understand it better. And I, I feel like it goes the exact same way. God, like Casey said, knows your heart. He doesn't need to hear what you have to say. He wants to hear it and he wants you to hear it. He's given you these things in your heart, you know, 
for when you you start saying that I am an overcomer, you know, by the blood of the lamb, I am more than a conqueror. It's more for you when it comes out of your mouth and you can understand it. Not also, just, oh, oh, go ahead. also this, this popped in my head. Um, Cause some people, they're also some people they learn by hearing things and some they learn by seeing. So another idea I saw someone put out one time was um, a different idea for a prayer journal. Yeah. Instead of saying it, write down your prayer. You're seeing it. It's already in your heart. God already knows it. But sometimes it's easier for you to see it more than just to say it. So depending on the way you function, the way you learn things, both are good ways to do things. Yeah. And those journals work every now and then. Go back and read them every so often. To see see the answered prayers that God already has for you. Maybe, I think that's Maybe go huge. and write the date you know, yeah. the check mark and the date, God did this this day or whatever. Prayer, you want to do it. answered, prayer, answered. You know, I think that's cool. Patty, what were you going to say? Um, I forgot my thought, but <laughs> it's okay. Um, another thing was the Holy Spirit directs you. He gives you discernment. You said discernment, and I heard that because one time somebody said, how do you, how do you get discernment? How do you get discernment? Holy Spirit gives it. The Holy Spirit gives it, and that's the only way you can have it is if the if you ask the Holy Spirit and you know to to be with you and guide you and yep. direct you. Um, that's the that's the answer to that question. Because he, you know when you're driving down the road and he says turn left here, you know, or something happens to your car and it takes you longer to get to to B from A, and it takes you longer because something happened to your car. Well, don't get upset about that because there might be something that the Lord's trying to keep you from. Keep you from, absolutely. I have a list here of 10, th- 10 different things that I think it takes to become a better Christian. And the next one is kind of, it seems like it it should be a normal thing that you would think of, but I think it's commonly overlooked. Attend church regularly. Mm-hmm. You know, attend a good church. Obviously, you'll have to find find a good one around you, but attend church regular. It's going to be a place where you come to get filled up. You know, kind of my dad says it like it's a pep rally for the, to get going and get prepared and filled up and ready to face the week, you know, because it's a lot easier to be a Christian on Sunday morning at church than it is to be out in the world, hearing different things, seeing different things, being tempted and tried in different ways. It's, it's hard, but if you attend church regularly, you can become filled up to where you can go out and face the week. Anybody got any thoughts on that? I think that covered it pretty good. I'd have to agree with you on that one. And especially because <laughs> I'm still staring at the don't be good, be filled, and that fills you up. Right. Just like if you don't take your car to the gas station. Right. You drive back and forth all you, week long. You are not going to get very far. You in the don't week. go back there every so often. You're... <laughs> You're not making any more trips. Right. That right. reminds me of that song we sing of <laughs> the filling station. <laughs> <laughs> Has that been requested for Sunday night yet? You know, since this is going to be on the air, you guys have, will have time to uh, put in a request for Bryce to sing Soul Filling Station yep. this <laughs> Sunday <laughs> evening. I can do it. I can do it. Okay. Live at a Redemption Worship mm-hmm. Night in uh, Bangor. I Like Bryce was saying, it is so important to be in church every Sunday. And if your church has Bible study on Wednesday, Thursday, Tuesday, Friday, whatever day of the week, 
especially for starting out, be there. Um, that's another big point of advice that I can give to somebody who's just starting out is get involved with your church. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you can pray on your own. You can watch sermons on YouTube. You can listen to worship music on your own. But whenever you come to a spot where you really need somebody to lean on, you're still on your own. A good church family is its essential as a tool in your walk. You know, having somebody who you can go to and say, I know you've been through this before. How did you get through? Can you help me with this, please? Yeah. Riley, what do you feel about church attendance regular, regularly? I think it's important because you're surrounded by um, people that are on the same, should be on the same journey as you. You're with all the same destination, I guess, is more so not the same journey because everybody does things different, has different situations. But you want to surround yourself with people who, who want to do better and want to be better and most times when you're in church, those are the people you're going to be with. Absolutely. Um, for me, it sets my week. Uh, if I don't go on Sunday, I feel like I don't even know what day it is because I'm sitting at home and I shouldn't be, or I'm doing something and I'm, you know, I'm not at church like normal. So I think it's just important to get to church as much as possible to be around people who are growing with you and let it be the focal point of your week and help you get through the week. Cause life's tough sometimes. The next principle that I think is relevant to becoming a better Christian is be a witnessing Christian um, and witnessing, I'm saying by telling something or telling someone about Jesus Christ, about salvation, about what Jesus Christ did for us, what it means to us for our eternal destination. And I think you can witness in two different ways. You can witness with your words and you can witness with your actions. Both are very, very relevant ways of witnessing. I think actions probably are I'm not going to say more important. Well, I guess I, I guess I will say, I think your actions are more important way of witnessing unless you come up to somebody and just say, Hey, you need just, I got a friend that you need to meet. His name's Jesus. And I want to help take you there. Well, that's the common saying that we've all grown up and heard with is that actions speak louder than words, you know, because you can tell someone that you're there for them. But if when something happens and they need somebody, you slip out the back door for a better uh, way of saying it, your actions are saying otherwise. So it doesn't matter. If you're going to do both, they better line up. Absolutely. If you're only going to do one, it's still better line with the word. But if you're going to do both, you can't contradict yourself. Right. That's exactly what I was going to say. Um, your action should never be in contradiction of what you're saying. You know, we've touched on earlier what a, a bad Christian is or a hypocrite is. You shouldn't be going out and telling the world, you know, you need to meet my friend Jesus because he's done this, this, and this, and then be out living whatever way that you want. I don't know if you guys have ever heard someone that is drunk or high or something, and they're talking about Jesus and it that just makes you, my nerves makes you so feel bad. so horrible inside. Yeah. 
because the you're looking more than at we do them sometimes. like the the actions that they're showing are wrong. Yeah. But they're trying to witness with words, but the words are canceled out by the actions. The, the words have they hold no value. No value. Um, I've I've had that happen to me several times over my lifetime, and it's like that showed me what not to do. Right. Absolutely. What I don't want to do as a Christian. I don't want my actions to to contradict contradict the words that I'm speaking or the words contradict the actions that I'm taking. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Because the other one that fits that as well is also a picture's worth a thousand words. Mm-hmm. What's it matter if you speak for two hours to somebody about your walk with Jesus, if when they look at you, they see something that's still the something exact far, opposite of what something it, far yeah. different. What do you think about it, Riley? Remind me of the question again. It's it, it's a a point or a principle of being a good Christian. Be a witnessing Christian. There's two ways to witness. Uh, you witness by your actions, and you witness by your words. And we kind of come to the common consensus that words and action always go together. Um, a lot of the times, your action will either contradict your words or your actions will confirm your words. What do you think? I agree. Um, I think also you don't want to, if you're trying to witness to somebody, you should be gentle about it. Absolutely. Uh, You don't want to shove it in their face or, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have heard, I know we've all heard, you know, use the, um, the biblical baseball bat because that doesn't make people want to become Christians or, want to be around you or go to church with you if you're constantly, well, the Bible says this and the Bible says that, and you're doing it in a hateful way. Right. So I think just being a gentle witness and an understanding witness that not everybody's going to agree right away or or understand right away, but keep sowing the seed, keep watering the seed, keep getting some sunshine to the seed because at some point it's going to grow. And it's going to make a full circle for your witness, uh, your witnessing to people. I know I've heard, and I don't know if anybody else has, is that you'll always catch more flies with honey than you will with vinegar. And that's not to say that you should only choose, you know, sweet words or choose things that people want to hear whenever you're witnessing to them. But like you're saying, the delivery of it, it should always be done in love versus, you know. That's the key word. Well, the difference between honey and Vinegar is vinegar will kill it. <laughs> yeah. If you do catch it, it kills it so fast. It's worthless time. It's worth, or it's not worth your time. And I think to kind of go along with this question, I don't personally think that witnessing is something that a new Christian will be able to do right away. I think it's something that you attain further in your walk. With something Christ. you work towards. Right. I don't think it's something that you're just like, okay, I'm saved. Now let's go start witnessing. You definitely need the skill set to do it. Um, And that's not to say that that won't be provided to you through the Holy Spirit if the opportunity arises and it is a time you're meant to witness. Well, I think also that if they feel in their heart that they're starting to change their life around and they can be a witness to somebody that's going through the same thing that they just came out of or are trying to get out of and they feel comfortable in their heart, I I think it's a good witness because they're seeing their actions are changing, their words are changing, then in that aspect, it would be better. 
for right. them to talk. So I've taken, I've taken, I take my stance back because I just got kind of not a revelation, but the Holy Spirit is working with me as we speak about the woman at the well. Jesus met her at the well, told her all that she did, and what is the first thing she did? Went and went, told everybody else. Went and told everybody at the city. And what did they do? They came to the well. Jesus was there for two days, you know, said, hey, they, I met this man. He mm-hmm. told me everything that was about me. So I guess I take, my, I, take that, I take that stance back. I take that back. I think to go along with what Patty was saying, to me, especially when you have a good makeup of, of the church, of people have went through certain things, maybe the person that's six months in and isn't completely out of their situation will have an easier chance of reaching someone who's trying to get out of it. Because sometimes if you think about it, when you look at someone who's already got it figured out, you're like, right. I could never do it. It's a lot easier to relate to somebody who's still in it. But if you have a couple people that are in the church that are at different steps on it, you can see a path. Instead of seeing, you know, this table is where I'm at, ceiling is where I need to get, I don't know how to get there. Right. But if I see a few different steps up there, I have a path I can follow and I can get from there up to there. That's good. That's good, Mark. Okay. Well, here's the next principle. And I think it's a good one. And we've all touched it so far. I just kind of want to go back over it to get some in-depth explanations from you guys. Let love be the ruling principle of your life. Do everything you do as you know, do everything you do with love. Uh, the Bible says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. It's the greatest demonstration of the fact that we are Christians is that we love each other. That's like what we touched on in Sunday school in that discipleship class that we're doing. Um, by becoming or proclaiming to be Christians— the, the thing that the lesson said was we're giving the world permission to judge us by how well we love each other. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we there's we can't hide from it. No. It's either it's because one thing you'll you'll get often when you're dealing with someone that doesn't necessarily believe what the Bible says, sometimes they know it better than us and they are ready to use it to say, well, you're saying this. This is what this says. Why can't you do that? Right. So we have to... Keep going back to the previous point. Make sure that the words and the actions both line up because the people that we're trying to witness to, that we're going to talk to, they're going to study up. Absolutely. They're going to be prepared. We better be too. Absolutely. Good Good answer, Mark. Patty, you get to follow that one. Up. <laughs> it's not that hard. Trust me. Well, I think that love is the principle of being a Christian. Absolutely. It's like should be number one. <laughs> and the greatest of all these of the commandments is, is love. love. Right, right. God um, is love. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sin and love edifies and encourages and uplifts. It doesn't tear down and kick everybody when they're, you know, they're already down. Um, love brings up. It rises up. It helps people rise up. They right. they feel better about themselves and about being a Christian. They want to be Christ-like. That's what a Christian means, to be Christ-like. And if you don't have love, then you're not showing it. At all, right. Absolutely. And in addition to what you're saying, you know, 
love does uplift love does you know reach out but at the same time love will also protect and love will also correct yes absolutely um, love I, is patient love is kind <laughs> love is all of these things yeah. i'll say i don't have any children myself but i know that you two do have children mark and patty and you love them and if they were you know running towards the road at five years old down a busy street would you you know you'd reach out and you'd correct them for that because you love them mm-hmm. absolutely Riley, how do you feel about love being the number one thing in your life as a Christian? I think that it's, it's, it's important to have love in your life and love others. One of the main commandments is to love thy neighbor as himself or treat thy neighbor as himself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. God, that's what God wants you to do. That's one one important thing that God wants you to do is just love people and care for people. And the way that God loves us so much so to the point that he sacrificed his son for our sins, that's extreme love. And I mean, having hate in your heart, that doesn't get you very far. But if if you're full of love and which is... Also, I don't know if anyone mentioned this, being part of the fruit of the spirit yeah. is love isn't one, you know? So I think it's just your your life is better. Your, your days are better if you just are loving and caring and kind rather than mean and hateful and anything, I guess, opposite of love. <laughs> You'll never regret being kind to somebody. Ever. As Never. much as you may Never. feel it in the moment, if they do something to wrong you, you may feel like, oh, well, I did this to them or I did this for them. At the end of the day, you will never regret treating somebody with love or kindness. No. And that's a very um, exact picture of actions lining up with word. God's action lined up with his word, not words, his word. Right. So my next my next point here is, Point number seven, if you guys are counting. Be an obedient Christian. Let Christ have first place in all the choices of your life. So I've heard it said that true worship to God is obedience to him. Doing what he say, you know, the first time the the Hebrew word for worship comes through is Abraham leading Isaac up the mountain to sacrifice him. But it wasn't because they were singing praises on the side of the mountain when he was about to be sacrificed. They were being obedient to the word and to the call of God. And I think it is very important for us to be obedient to what the Bible says so we can be a better Christian. You know, that is kind of an extreme example if we think about in everyday life, you know, being obedient in the sense that, you know, you're going to sacrifice your son or your child. But it really paints a good picture of the fact that obedience and being in God's will isn't going to look like something that we want. Absolutely. Um, It's not always going to feel good. Um, No. I know we've said before, or Marx has said before, you know, feelings aren't Lord. God is. Right. And coming to that understanding that despite the fact that it is good to be a Christian and there will be times that you do feel good being a Christian, there are still going to be times when you don't feel good at all about it, but you still have to walk in obedience and walk in the correct way. One thing I've touched on before when I've used that account of Abraham, which I liked how your dad pointed that out Sunday night, was <laughs> yeah. he explained that. And 
I, I didn't see anyone go shake their head. They all kind of nodded and agreed. They see they kind of understand my way of thinking a little bit. You know, as much as some people can, humanly anyway. possible. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that sometimes that obedience? God knows how you're going to react to the situation, right? God knew when He told Abraham, "This is what I want you to do." He knew that Abraham was going to do it. Sometimes that act of obedience is God's way of showing us, so we know how we would react to it. Yeah. You know, it's, He didn't have any doubt Abraham was going to do it. But right. Abraham didn't know. Right. And it's kind of an example to say, hey, there's sometimes, like Casey's saying, where it's not going to be pleasant. It's not going to be fun. It's not no. going to look like what you think it should look like. But in all your ways, trust God and acknowledge him. Patty, what do you think about being obedient? Um, well, the first thing I hear is obedience is better than sacrifice. Absolutely. I was yes. going to say that after she got done, but <laughs> and- she beat me to it. <laughs> And sometimes God tells you to go pray for someone, and you don't do it. Sometimes, in the case of Abraham and Isaac, obedience was about to be sacrificed. It was about to be sacrificed, <laughs> right. yes. But, you know, obedience is greater because he's telling you to do something. You may not agree with it, but he's going to use you for his glory. Right. You know, I'm just thinking more about the story of Abraham and Isaac, and I think about the faith that Abram had to have in that moment, even beyond that, because he'd already been promised a son. He'd already been promised that he'll be the father of many nations. And here's Isaac, you know, the son of his old age, the one his wife shut up and able to conceive by all means. And now God is telling him to sacrifice him. Yeah. How can he be the father of many nations if he has no nations coming up behind him? Right. And obedience sometimes means trusting that regardless of what the circumstance looks like, God is going to deliver through on the promises that he's made. Even further than the obedience of Abraham, think of the obedience of Isaac. Man, I'd be wiggling out of those robes. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was listening to me that day. There's no, well, there's no doubt in my yeah. mind that Isaac had went up this mountain before to sacrifice with Abraham. There's no doubt in my mind that this is not a place, you know, he's thinking, we got the wood. <laughs> That's what I'm curious we about. Got, we got the knife. But where's the sacrifice? That's where, where is the sacrifice? That's what I'm curious enough. about because, you know, Abraham led him up to the mountain with the intent to sacrifice him. Yeah. And yet when asked the question, it's then this was, did he lie to him? Or was it he in his heart he knew that? God what was going to happen, right? Jehovah Jireh. Um, I I I often think about that with Isaac. You know, I don't exactly know how old he was, but historians say he was, you know, seventeen, twenty, something like At that. At least you're like your guys' age. On the, yeah, on the lower side of your twenties, maybe upper twenties. But by the time he had, by the time Abraham had it, wasn't he like a hundred? Yeah. So that's the thing. Like I like when I taught on was if Isaac wanted to. There's no way Abraham was going to be able he to had force to be, him to... He had to be just as obedient in the same way that his father was going to be obedient to God's word. Because he's saying he's binding him, so he's putting him up there. So right. instead of fighting it, he's going with it too. Right. Riley, what do you think about it? Well, I was going to say what Patty said. <laughs> from, from my own experiences, when... I feel led to pray for somebody or, you know, say something 
or do something and I'm like, I just don't want to, or maybe I shouldn't, I don't really know. And then all we calm, God's like, remember when I told you to do this and you did it? How do you like that? You know, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'll try better next time. But (laughs) I think that that's really important is to just, you know, follow what God's telling you to do, because if you don't, you're going to be in trouble. Because someone else will. Yeah, someone else will do it. <laughs> yep. And not only that, he I knows God knows what's best then, for you. I think if God if someone else goes and prays for the person that God's telling you to pray for, or like sometimes when I've got something going in my brain and I'm about to say something, or I'm you know holding back a little bit because I'm ready to go sit down during a worship service or whatever the case may be. Um, and Casey says it, and I'm like, man, I was supposed to say it, Casey, not you. But <laughs> oh, it, it all comes together. It all works how it's supposed to. But then I feel like I didn't do what I was supposed to do, but I'm glad that somebody did. But I feel bad that I didn't because I should have. That's a uh, very good representation of whether we are willing to do as we're led to do and told to or not. God's still going to get it done. Absolutely. It's just you're going to feel a whole lot better if you do it when it's pointed to you. Right. And don't do it thinking, well, I'm going to do it because someone else was supposed to and they they were too lazy. No, just right. just do it with the way it's supposed to be done, with the way you're led to do it, and don't worry about right. any of the other details. You won't, your you, intentions. Well, you won't have to worry about the consequences if you just listen. Yeah. You know? So next next point here, and this one's huge, I think. It's huge, and I think it's important, big time for uh, new Christians. Learn how to meet temptation. Temptation in itself is not sin. It is yielding that is sin. Let Christ, through the Holy Spirit, do the fighting for you. What do you say, Mark? Can I borrow from one of my sermons I was going to do and I'm still going to do? It's on spiritual warfare. Yep is don't give your own answers. Right. Jesus, and Stevie said this, and this was in my notes, and it's still (laughs) going to happen whenever I do it, because whoever's listening to this might not remember it by then, so I'll be good. Um, When Jesus was tempted, by being tempted, he didn't sin. Right. But he responded the correct way. Right. He responded with God's word. Absolutely. He said, it is written. It is written every single time. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every way, and he overcame those temptations. So it is possible. It's possible, 100%. I say, just to bring it in like a, a physical example, you know, I have in the last few months started working out, and I work out just about every day on my lunch break, my lunch break, because I work from home, you know, thank goodness. So I have that hour to do whatever I need to do. And there are still days where I'm like, yeah, definitely don't want to do that today. I don't feel good. <laughs> but I've had to come to the realization myself that just because I don't feel good doesn't mean that I don't do it. Because if I don't do it, I'll feel worse. And then I'll feel bad the next day and I won't want to do it. And you fall into this cycle. In the same way that, you know, at the beginning, that's not how I felt about it. I would have taken a day off whenever I could have convinced myself to do it. But the same way that, you know, you build up resilience or you build up, you know, a mental resilience to doing it and getting up regardless of how you feel, temptation will be the same way. The temptation that you face on day one will be easier to face on day 35 than it was when you started. So you're saying your feelings aren't the important part of it. 
Absolutely. I'm saying you got to acknowledge that your feelings <laughs> are telling you one thing, and that's not always right. Right. I, I can tell you from some of the longer distances I've ran, including the marathons, there are times, like, I, they, there are temptations on the trail. They put all these... And you'll see this when we get to do the the one. You are so set on that. That's like 10 years in the future. <laughs> oh, I was thinking like two and a half. I cannot run 24 miles in two and a half years. We can guarantee that right now. It's 26. 26.2. But you'd be surprised. You don't have to run the whole thing. You can run and walk. But they put these things out there. And I'm smart enough to know because I can't run the whole, couldn't even then, couldn't run the entire distance. So I do runs and walks. Yeah. All across the course. They put little couches and chairs and things like that to have a seat. <laughs> right. And right. I'm getting there and I know and, and I know it's like if I sit down, I'm not getting back up. Right. And when I was on that one, it was on the military base, the island, and you got the Mississippi River on this side, and then, then you got a little hill with grass and trees. It's like it's shady there and it's very hot on the course. Um, to the point there were people passing out and they had people going through with Medics giving them water and fans and things. It's like, same thing. If I sit down there to cool down. Not getting back up. Yeah. We'll be texting Stacy. Uh, you need to come over here, pick me up. Yeah. I've, <laughs> Wait till the race is over. Drive on the course, pick me up because I'm not walking back. I've said this before, and I don't know if any of you guys have heard this. I know it was at a Bible study one time, but we all know that Satan has had years and years and years and years and years and thousands of years to to perfect his work and perfect his art, you know, of deceiving and tempting. Isn't it strange how when you get tempted to do something, you do it, it leads you further into the same thing that you know is wrong for you. Say, you know, you had a problem with doing drugs and I'm just using this as an example. Um, you have a problem doing drugs. You get free from it. You get clean from it. You get tempted to do the same thing that you loved. Obviously he knows what you like, but you, you get into a bad situation and it pushes you right back to the thing that you got out of and hated the most. It pushes you right back into the place where you once were. It It's so strange to me how that works. And I'm glad that it's been revealed to me that this thing happens. You get into a place, you see that it's not good for you. You get away from it. A circumstance happens in your life. And it seems like you go right back to what you left. Only you don't go right back to what you left. Think of the account in the Bible of the demon-possessed man. Right. The demon was demon was driven out. Okay. But when he came back, he brought more friends with him. Right. He got it's seven never, times stronger. You're yep. never so it's it's just like with an addiction. You don't maybe you don't start out full downing a whole fifth every day. Yeah. But you start out with just a shot or you start out with um, just a smoke or one hit or something. Well, once you get out of it, when you go back, that first one's not going to do anything. Right. And you know how you feel when you did it. So, you know, automatically I need to jump right here. Right. But and then you don't it have. your life when you do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Most times. When, when you're doing harder drugs. Yeah. And there's no buildup to it. You yeah. go right. Instead of getting. A little bit, a little bit more, a yeah. little bit more, a little bit more. You go right to the very top, and you can't handle it. Well, you couldn't handle it to start with, but it was easier to handle when you slowly built up to it, so, not when you just hit it right the first time. So me and Mark have uh, conversed over this specific story, this specific account in the Bible. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> this specific account where he get the demons get driven out, they get seven times stronger, 
if you clean out your house of filth and don't replace it with something that's nice and new and fresh and clean, I know this is just a physical example, but in the spiritual, if you finally get rid of this nasty, ungodly thing and you don't replace it with what is right, you will go right back worse than what you once were. Definitely. Riley, you got any thoughts on that? You guys keep doing me last and keep saying all the good stuff. Well, it's, it's <laughs> hard. You can it's go hard. first next time. Yeah, it's hard not to do it because I don't see you. Right. No, it's okay. I see a blue um, button. <laughs> everything that has been said has been, in my opinion, spot on. I mean, temptations are really hard. Yeah. And they pop up at the most inconvenient time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like when you're doing good and you're past it. And then you're out to dinner and the table next to you orders your favorite drink. You know, something like that, I guess, would be a good example. Yeah. Because you, you've you done really good, really good, really good. And there it is right in front of your face. So it, it always comes the worst times. And it's just the little tricks of the devil that is trying to pull you away from your walk with Christ. Like you're saying, it always comes whenever you think that you're doing really good. I just, when you were talking, it came to me, sometimes you can rejoice in the temptation. Absolutely. Because if somebody is trying to come against you, if the enemy is trying to come against you and to bring you back, that means that you're becoming effective where you are. That's too dangerous for him to let you continue where you are. Just for example, Paul said, um, in my weakness, God's strength is made whole. Mm -hmm. I don't. Uh, I, I'm not sad over my weakness. Rather, I rejoice because I know that God's strength is better than my strength any day of the week. And if I'm in a good place and temptation's coming, thank you, Lord, that you have counted me worthy for these things. Yes, and, absolutely. And think of even from another side of that, he knows that he's weak. Right. So he knows, even just in that statement, he's saying, it's God that's doing this. Right. Because he's saying if it's, in my weakness, God's strength is made, made whole, whole yeah. is kind of on a roundabout way saying that the only reason I was able to get over this was God. That was going to be my next thing on there to add. It said, let Christ, through the Holy Spirit, do the fighting for you. With man, Sorry. it is impossible, but through Christ, all things are possible, even temptation of the devil, because he defeated it, and if we let him help us, he'll help us defeat it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Next one, be a wholesome Christian. That's you, Riley. You're first. Riley, you're first. Well, let me let me let me read the rest of it. Our lives and appearance should commend the gospel and make it attractive to other people. So, like, what do I think it would be to be a wholesome Christian? No. Do you think it's a good do you think it's a good attribute to have if you want to be a better Christian? Being wholesome. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, because you don't want, I think Patty might have mentioned it before, somebody did, but you don't want to be halfway about it. Yeah. Um, and you solid when you're talking to somebody and trying to help someone else become into a relationship with Jesus Christ. So you want to be as you know positive about it, as gentle about it, as kind about it. But you also want to know what you're talking about and be solid about it, too. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that, well, while I can, let me just pull up the definition of wholesome. 
So we could put that out there. I think that would help. Hey, that's fine. Honestly, I don't feel the need to go any further with asking you guys. You got to be wholesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like to go back to one of our previous examples, if you've got a car and you've got every single part of it, but the engine's not inside, it don't run. There's no sense in having it. Worthless. Unless you're Fred. I've got the definition. Um, (laughs) It says other people see you as decent, a moral person, somebody who's trustworthy and not living a secret life of crime, but of sin could be entered in there. You know, so as long as you are, you know, really for real about your walk with Christ and you don't try to cover it up when you're around certain people or um, lie about it. Ah, no, I don't go to church. That's, that's not for me, but really you're there every week because you want to, you say that because you want to look cool to somebody else, you know, um, just, I think it's really important to be wholesome, to be honest and trustworthy in your walk with Christ as much as it is to help someone else get into a walk with Christ. Yeah, because you think about it, we can look back at the, the scripture references. If you have went there at least some, you can't hide it. Peter couldn't hide it. Right. Every step of the way, this lady keeps getting closer and closer. Well, weren't you with Jesus? Yeah. No. Um, wait, you're from Galilee. You sound like someone from Galilee. Nope, it wasn't me. I saw you there. Right. You can't hide it. Don't run from it. So this is my last point, and I think it's my favorite point. And it's really hard to do most times. Live above your circumstances. Don't let the circumstances get you down. Learn to live graciously within them, realizing that the Lord himself is with you. And to add to that, he has put you there on purpose. That's one of the biggest things, like you said, the purposefulness of it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's real easy to get into a down spot and to get to a place where things aren't great and uh get upset about it and not even upset. Like, I don't know if I'm going to use the word depressed, but it probably is the best word fair. to use. It's fair. Yeah. And to be there. And if you have no concept, no idea that there may be something greater than this moment, then you're never going to get away from that place, away from that emotion. But if you're in this place and it's not desirable to you, but you know that God is working in you through it and through you in it, then you have this, a hope that one, things are going to be better eventually. And two, something good is going to come out of this, regardless of how it may look in this moment. Yeah. Patty, how do you feel about that? You know, I live this my everyday life. Yeah. <laughs> I think all of us do. And um, it gets hard some days to, to continue on. Like you said, you can get depressed if you allow it to take over you. But when you know that you know that you know yeah, that you are on the God's side, he is on your side, and he's going to give you the strength to continue on. Yeah, and you're living within his plan. And you stop listening to all the voices that are going on in your head. You can overcome that. Absolutely. He said, I have overcome the world. So that means we're supposed to be overcomers with him. Right. So that's what keeps me going every day. Yeah. Is stop pity parties, continue on. The next day might be better. Absolutely. It has to be better. But don't lose hope in Jesus. I think to me that pretty much the biggest lesson of that is, and it is a hard lesson, is to take yourself out of the equation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be the only thing that can mess it up. You know, because when we do it, 
or try because we can't do it when we try to do it ourselves. We mess it up bad (laughs) every time. Every time. Well, (laughs) that's when you crash and burn. The Bible says, "Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the until the end of the world." You know, Jesus is with you in every situation, whether good nor bad. You know, every circumstance you can find yourself in in this life, He's right there with you every step of the way. And I think that I know it makes it easier. I know because personal circumstances in my life have been rough. Stuff has been, you know, and and people have even came up and said, man, I don't know how you're still making it. You know, I don't either, but God knows. He's helped me out. Mm -hmm. He's helped me through this thing. I still think like the best illustration ever of that. I know we've all read it, the, the footprints poem. Yeah. Where, you know, you look around and you think you're alone, but you're not realizing that to go with the poem, the single set of footprints, it's not you walking, you're being picked up and carried. Right. Yep. So right. it's not, it, when you look at it in the natural, you look like it's you're alone. But I think if they were a little accurate with their portrayal, if you looked down at the footprints, you'd probably be the, see the little shape of a hole. Yeah. And realize that you're not the one that's doing the walking. That's doing the walking whatsoever. Jeez, Mark, you just got poetic on us. <laughs> <laughs> Riley, what do you think? I think it's easy to get in your head um, to want life to go the way you want it to go. And I can speak for myself and probably everyone else there, but... Um, you want everything to go one way, and when it doesn't, you get discouraged. But it's and it's hard to do, or it's easy to do, is to get discouraged. But it's God's plan; it's not your plan. Absolutely. This is not the Riley show. It's the God show that Riley just gets to be the main character in, in this specific show of my life. Um. But getting in your head and trying to stay faithful and true to God's calling on your life and God's plan for your life. It's, it's a struggle because I mean, I know for myself that it's not been easy, but it's, it's been a good learning experience for me because not that I feel like, you know, my life's always been perfect and everything's always gone the way I've wanted it to, but I made plans for myself and those plans haven't, you know, come out how I planned them to. And that gets discouraging when you think about yourself, but then you got to remember who's really in charge here and how we've all mentioned, I'm sure everybody at this point has said that God's plan is higher than our plan and better than our plan. And sometimes we have to praise God for the no's as much as the yeses. Yeah. So go for it. Say, and remember that God is still good, even when the situation doesn't look good. Right. And even when it doesn't feel good. Um, I don't know if it's been requested yet, and if it hasn't, I'm going to for Sunday night. But, you know, God on the mountain, whenever you're at your highest point, he's still God and he's still good. But Absolutely. in the valley, whenever it's dark and you still don't know how you're going to get back up to the top, he's still God and he's still good. So that's my request for Sunday, Riley, if it's not already on the list. Yeah. And also praise you in the storm. I was almost going to request uh, that the other day, but yeah. So now we know Jim and Lenore listen to this, so she's she's on notice when she hears that she has advanced warning. She's got to sing that song so, Sunday night. So I think to go along with it, here's here's a little it's saying. Here's so little, it's on there. Yep. Okay. Here's a, here's a saying for anyone who is 
found themselves in a bad circumstance or found themselves in a bad situation and wondering where God is, God's plan will not take you where his grace can't cover you. I Correct. love that. Amen. His, his plan will not take you where his grace can't cover you. He's got you there on purpose. Um, and I heard David Jeremiah say that I, he got into a, a bad habit of saying, God, why am I in this situation? Why am I in these bad things? Why is this happening to me? And he said, I just came to my senses in one day and I said, God, what do you want me to do while I'm in this circumstance? Or what can I use this situation for, for you? Right, right. Absolutely. What is your purpose for this, this pain, God? I know there's purpose in it, God. I know that what you are doing is not on accident. I know there's a reason why I'm here, God. What is that reason? What do you want me to do? Who can I help? Yep. I know Patty put it on the line app one day in the previous few weeks, and it was to remember that God won't keep you in a season where there's not a harvest. So if you're ever feeling discouraged about where you are, if you're ever wondering, you know, why hasn't this passed from me yet? Why am I still in the same place going at the same circle? There's still something to come of it. Right, right. Well, I think it's important too, just to go along with having seasons and harvest. You don't just go through your crops and weed them out once, Mm -hmm. once, you know, Mm -hmm. you plant it, you water it, you clean the garden, you go through and hoe out the lanes, you know, and pull the weeds and next week there'll be weeds and. You pull this weed out and there'll be another weed there next week. You got to continue to do it. But one day, one glorious day, you'll finally get to see the fruit of your labor. Yes. Yes. And I think that's the day when you finally get to see Jesus face to face. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Ready to Preach. We hope that something that has been said today will aid you in your journey, both in Christianity and in the pursuit of becoming ready to preach. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please reach out to us on our Facebook page, Redemption Church, and share us with your friends. If you have any questions for us or topics you would like for us to discuss, we can be reached through the Facebook's direct message or in the comments section of our posts about the podcast. We look forward to you tuning in next week.